This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode number 341. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I am your host, Riley Bowman, joined today by Jacob Paulson. Howdy. Howdy do. And today we are actually, we are making a slight revision to a past episode slash segment format. You know, we've, we've had these industry news segments or episodes in the past. And so we're, we're just making a little tweak there. And I'm changing this to news and gear reviews. And specifically, this episode format will not, with a few exceptions, because sometimes big things happen that need to be talked about, but will not talk about legislative stuff. We're going to focus a little more on the fun stuff. We're going to focus more on gear and products and companies and mix in there a little bit of news too, because I got a, an update today uh, from a uh, you know, something related to the NRA as well that I think is just interesting to uh, bring to your attention if you're not closely following some of that stuff. But the other thing I'm really excited to do, Jacob, is it's almost like, you know how we used to do pretty consistently pick of the week? And I tried to kind of bring it back here and there too, but I don't know. I, I don't know why I tend to forget <laughs> or we tend to forget to, to do that consistently like we used to. But we're going to actually talk about at least two products today here on the episode and in a more detailed fashion. We'll actually kind of like do a little bit of a mini gear review about two products that we're really excited about. I'm really excited about mine. And uh, I, I think you're pretty excited about yours as well. <laughs> yeah. So I thank you to Luke, uh, last name remain anonymous, who emailed us some time ago and um, you know, said that the industry news wasn't his favorite segment. I think it's got, it started an internal conversation. So Luke, uh, from your email and from some other internal you know, conversations, that you know, that's really led to this tweak. Yep, yep, absolutely. I, I think it's something that was kind of on our radar as it was, but you know, when when we got that email from Luke, it sort of like confirmed it. Like, okay, yep, yep, we need to we need to make a little adjustment here. So, anyway, uh, today's episode though first is made possible and brought to you by Fighting from Cover, our new video course. So this is a training video available. Well, it's available for sale now. Officially, the, the market is open. Uh, people are buying them off the shelves, <laughs> uh, so to speak. And uh, yeah, it's really, really exciting to see the excitement generated around this. The, the whole idea of this course actually started, we were talking about, hey, it would be interesting to do a video training course about like all like these different shooting positions. But you know, as we discussed, it was kind of like, well, that's kind of bland. <laughs> you know, like, Okay, so we'll do a, we'll do a, a training video, and uh, Riley's going to jump on screen, and is just going to like do all these different shooting positions. Okay, there you go. <laughs> so we decided, well, let's analyze why we have different shooting positions. Well, the why is a lot of times it has to do with your environment and elements in that environment, and how you would use those elements to your advantage in a gunfight, right? So use of cover that so that that was the the birth of fighting from cover with unconventional shooting positions right and when we do things we don't we don't play around um and riley will tell you like what when we when we decide we're going to create a training program the the we go into that conversation thinking something along the lines of the following 
how do we exhaust full, you know, exhaust in an exhaustive way cover this topic? How do we cover every potential aspect of this topic? How do we go in as deep as we can go and make it so if someone takes this course from us, there's nothing about this topic they will not know. That is how we approach every single training product that we create here at consultcare.com. And fighting from cover, while you know it's something that most people get a little bit of training on in your average, you know, eight-hour defensive handgun class, you know, you get 20, 30 minutes of that. Well, this this training program is over three and a half hours long. It's not just, you know, well, stay off the cover, don't crowd it, and know if you have to shoot down here, get in this shooting position. It's extensive. It's how. It's why, it's how to practice it, what drills to run, it's how to work in teams, it's the real life application of that in a shooting event. I mean, it's, it's the whole nine yards, it's, it's, it's sweet sauce. Yep, that's right. And I'll add that it's a measly freaking $30. I, 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 uh, sometimes I don't think we charge enough, but $30.06, that, that gets you a copy of Fighting From Cover. You know, it, I don't, yep. We can't make that more no-brainer-ish. To be 100% completely transparent, it's actually a little more than $30 because we have a tendency of doing this with a lot of our product prices. It's actually $30.06. It's 30 out of six. Yeah, 30 out of six. There you go. Yep, yep, yep. We could have made it like 500 Smith & Wesson, $50. But we didn't. We didn't. <laughs> so... Yeah. Yeah, it, it could have been a lot of things. Yeah, it could have been thirty-eight, thirty-eight, or uh, but anyway, it's thirty out of six. Yep, yep. All right, so uh, pick up a copy now. Available, you can go check it out, and also there's a link to buy at fightingfromcover.com. All right, check it out. Also, today's episode made possible by Guardian Nation and our many Guardian Nation members. We appreciate all of you. We love you, and we're glad to have you a part of our our special little team of people. If you are a serious concealed carrier or self-defense-minded individual, you should check out Guardian Nation. Go to GuardianNation.com to learn more. And one of the cool things that is a, a, a benefit of being a member of Guardian Nation are the special monthly live broadcasts that we do with special industry professionals. This month, we are announcing now that we have scheduled, was it the 22nd of uh, August? Hold on, confirming. Yes, confirming. Thursday the 22nd. 22nd of August. We will have Gabby Franco on as our special guest this month. Uh, I don't think there's anybody in this world, if they know or know of Gabby Franco, that doesn't love her, okay? She's she's uh, she's a really cool, cool uh, lady. So we're excited to have Gabby Franco on as our special GN live guest later this month. And you can join us on August 22nd. So head on over to guardianation.com. What are you waiting for? Get signed up. All right. So let's now proceed to our first story, our first uh, news and or gear type review stuff. All right. So we've got here, uh, this actually is not an official story per se because it's not officially released, I guess. But uh, the word is out and Rock Island Armory has announced a 10-round subcompact double stack 1911 style pistol called the BBR 3.10. And uh, I saw, I first saw a picture of this uh, on somebody else's Facebook page uh, showing the, the new BBR from Rock Island, Rock Island Armory next to the P365. 
as just a sort of a comparison. Now, you could definitely tell that the proportions of the BBR is is fatter, bigger. You know, it's definitely got a, a much larger, fatter, thicker grip. And it's obviously like steel framed and steel slide. You know, it's a, it's a steel gun. But just overall, like length and height and all that, it wasn't that much bigger than the P365. But get this. It holds 10 rounds of 45 ACP. <laughs> so this is a tiny gun that holds 10 rounds of 45. Really kind of interesting, you know, cool stuff from Rock Island Armory. So the BBR 3.10 uh, from Rock Island Armory. Uh, I know that we've got Joshua on our man. He, he's our managing editor. He's got one on the way to him so he can test it out and review it fully. But uh, we're bringing that, that announcement to you here on the podcast. Yep. Looks really cool. I mean, I think that it's chambered in 45 is going to appeal to a new group of people. I think, I think, you know, it's one thing to say, Hey, we also now have a P365 competitor. It's another thing altogether to say, we have a very high capacity subcompact 45 caliber gun, which, which has its own market in some ways. So, yep. Pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I guess, uh, at least for those viewing on Facebook, Jacob just popped up that uh, kind of a spec sheet. So uh, sorry for those of you that are audio only, but there's the specs. I mean, just to get, kind of give you the rundown, it is 6.3 inches long. That is including the beaver tail. Uh, really, it looks like from the f- muzzle to the hammer is like probably just under six inches. Height-wise, 5.51 inches, 3.1 inch barrel. Of course, it's 1911 type you know, gun. So it's going to have that, that awesome, relatively light, like three, four pound trigger pull. Uh, and it, it's just a, a, it's a good looking piece. It's got G10 grips. It's got a, you know, kind of what, what people will call the combat hammer. It's just a, you know, a, a cooler, nicer upgraded hammer. Uh, really cool looking gun. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure if the MSRP has been announced yet, but yeah. knowing that it's Rock Island Armory, it's probably not going to be terribly expensive. So, yeah, I didn't, I don't remember seeing MSRP. This is supposed to be available uh, for sale to the public uh, on October 1st. So that is worth noting. They actually announced two guns, this one and another kind of more traditional 1911 uh, full-size gun. And both are, are being released on October 1st. Yep. Yep. So cool stuff from Rock Island Armory. You know, it, it wouldn't be something that I would be personally interested in carrying for concealed carry or for self-defense purposes, but I'm sure there's somebody out there that this will totally float their boat. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Next up, uh, some news from FN. This is not like earth shattering necessarily, but the FN 509 released what last year is already a pretty popular pistol. There are a lot of people that like the FN 509. And late last year, they released the FN 509 Tactical. Uh, which is pretty cool, right? And the midsize, right? And they did the midsize. And, at the, same time? and the midsize, I think, was earlier this year. I think. Uh, maybe. Um, yeah. So cool stuff coming from FN on you know around the FN five hundred nine platform. Really, the FN five hundred nine seems to have sort of replaced uh, the whole FN FNS line, and arguably the FNX to a degree. I mean, granted, the FNX and the FN five hundred nine are two totally different platforms, but the FN five hundred nine is really picking up some steam. And so one thing with the FN 509 Tactical, they introduced the FDE finish. And so all we're here to tell you today is that the FN 509 will also soon be available 
not only in black, but also in FDE. For those of you that that care to have a pistol in flat, dark earth. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah, the, the 509 midsize is going to be my next handgun purchase. I think I said that several times, but I really am impressed with that gun. I like the way it feels in my hands. I've, fi- I've fired the full size, not the midsize, but um, I, think that, I think that they are onto something with the 509 platform. Yeah, and obviously that, that pistol was kind of their civilian version slash release of a gun that was being talked about at least at one time uh, being introduced to, you know, as part of the military trials for that M17, M18 contract, um, but didn't get very far in that process. So uh, FN509 is kind of the civilian market and in a big way. It, it, you know, I had the uh, full-size one uh, on loan from from FN and and tested that and actually still need to really officially do a, a review. I guess I've talked about it before on the on the podcast, but uh, it's a great gun. I'll tell you, I was really impressed with the FN 509. It is a well-designed, well-built, good-feeling, awesome trigger, awesome shooting gun. I was shocked. The first time I really started playing around with it, I put up one of those, uh, you know, Rob Pincus targets, the ICE training target, and you got mm-hmm. those like those little numbered circles, right? They're like two, two and a half inches in diameter. And I just started plinking at one of the circles just, and I started kind of slow, like probably half second, maybe 0.6 splits, just kind of plink, plink. And I just kept picking up the pace and I was standing at a good seven yards and I kept going a little faster, a little faster, a little faster to, 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 to where I was, you know, a good quarter second, maybe even almost 0.20 splits. And I didn't have a single shot leave that circle. Never mind that I'm an awesome shooter or anything, <laughs> but I honestly like believe that the gun itself, I mean, I was just like, wow, that is a sweet shooting gun. So anyway, FN509, cool stuff. Sturm Ruger leads firearm manufacturing in the United States. This is not necessarily new. <laughs> it's kind of been the case, I think, for a number of years now. Yeah. Uh, and, and actually by a, by a pretty large margin. <laughs> so there, you can actually find a, find a list out there of top manufacturers in the American market. And Ruger has led that for a number of years. Get this. They, for the year 2018, 8.7 million firearms they made. <laughs> 8.7. <laughs> That's uh, that's quite a few. That's across all platforms. That's rifle, handgun. That's whole whole kit and caboodle. So get this: the next person, the next company, the second place company is Smith and Wesson. And how many did they make? One point six million. Yeah, it's a big difference. <laughs> I mean, Ruger is a behemoth in terms of the quantity that they are putting out. Now, I do think that's for a couple of reasons, right? Ruger has been around a long time. Of course, Smith & Wesson has too, but but Ruger has a solid hand in the 22 market, right? Very with, solid. With their uh their their Mark 3, Mark 4 pistols. Uh they, you know, the 1022 is a just a I mean, it's it is the number one 22 rifle probably in the world in terms of number of units ever produced and very popular. I've got a 1022. It's a great little gun. Um, They make revolvers. They make hunting rifles. They make carbines. They make ARs. They make regular pistols, semi-automatics, right? Uh, I think about the only thing that they don't make, they don't make shotguns, right? 
No, I don't think so. I can't think of any shotguns that they actually make. They, I mean, they even they, in the handgun market, you mentioned revolvers, but I think like the LCP, LC9. Think of the the American. I mean, they they really just uh, you know if if they think it'll sell, they'll make it. Absolutely. So uh, yeah, I think that's part of the reason for why they're the the number one in terms of volume. So uh, a big chunk of those, I'm sure, are the 22s. And then, of course, yeah, like you mentioned, the LCRs, the LCPs. I, that LCP is a you know very popular little uh, micro compact uh, 380. Very popular. So, anyway, Smith and Wesson number two at 1.6 million, and then Remington placed third with 809,000 total units. Now, Remington also, you know, they, they make shotguns, they make hunting rifles, they make carbines, they make pistols, right? So they also are fairly well diversified, but still, I mean. Now, this is, to be clear, Riley, this is USA manufactured guns. Correct. Yeah. So, yes. so yes. A gu- you know, a, like Glock, for example, that manufactures some guns in the US, but a lot of the guns they, they import in and sell as well, you know, that that they would only be qualified so far as the guns they made here in the U.S. Yep, yep. Because these numbers are basically coming from, uh, they're, they're coming from the ATF, right? So these are, the ATF doesn't care about stuff made outside of the United right, States, they're, right? They're, they're, yeah, they're serial numbers requested to put on new things that were manufactured. Correct. And that's where the numbers come from. So then number number four is, is Sig Sauer with uh, just shy of 600,000. And uh, Mossberg is fifth, with a total of 507,000. All right, so there's the top five manufacturers in the U.S. And then other notables, uh, any companies making more than 50,000 pistols. Now, this does include Glock. Glock made 175,000 in the U.S. Uh, Sky made 150,000. Springfield Armory, 81,000. Taurus, 69,000. FN America, 61. Keltec, 58,000. All right. And this, these are specifically two pistols, by the way. I'm not sure why that was uh, divvied up in that, in that regard, but uh, just other notable uh, companies. All right. Uh, we've had a couple of people tell us that the Ruger Red Label shotgun is a thing. Oh, okay. I, I kind of felt like there was something, but I, you know, it's not cl- my area. Not yeah, my wheelhouse. Yeah. Not, not something I've really followed that closely. Yep. Yep. Um, also, uh, the uh, Ruger PC carbine. I've been seeing more and more people with those. Those are pretty cool, you know. And I've shot one a couple of times, and they're, I mean, they're a little different as far as they're not following the common mold that most of their companies that are building PCCs um, are. They kind of took the 1022 pl- uh, platform, sort of, right, to a degree, kind of that shape and that's that uh, the proportions, and turned it into a nine millimeter carbine. Um, but it's pretty cool and it's a pretty slick shooter. So, in fact, I saw uh, Maggie Reese uh, Voigt uh, shooting at the Wyoming Governor's match in the PCC division with one of those. So, that's kind of interesting to see one of those kind of tricked out a little bit for competition use. Yeah, yeah. All righty. Uh, we do have, let's see, what else? Story here about Julie Gollum. And she just, I saw this Facebook post. I follow her on Facebook yesterday. She announced that she is resigning from the NRA board of directors. And I just thought this was notable because she's fairly high profile. People know who she is. She's well-liked. I was excited when she got elected to the board of directors back in 2018. 
And now just a little more than a year later, she's joined a few others in resigning from the board of directors. So clearly still things kind of, you know, there's still a little bit of a shakeup going on there at the NRA. Um, I had the opportunity to talk to Dwayne Liptak at the uh, Wyoming Governor's match. He was there. Magpul was the primary, you know, the number one sponsor of that match. And I pulled him aside and, and chatted a little bit about him. And he seems committed to, at least for right now, staying in the organization and trying to, as much as he can, affect change. Now, he has a little more weight than maybe some other members of the board of directors, meaning that he's one of the top dudes at Magpul, which is a pretty big player in the American uh, firearm accessory market and, uh, and a company that's well-liked by, by millions. Uh, and again, the NRA is not a firearm manufacturer's organization, but Magpul pulls a lot of weight. Right. It was, it was interesting talking with Dwayne. He's, I, you know, he obviously had a lot of things to share as far as, you know, not exactly being pleased with the current direction of things and with the way things are going. He would like to see uh, greater transparency. And, um, yeah, really the big thing is in some of these board of directors, and I'm not saying this is true about Julie, she didn't really go into the, into the reasons why she's resigning. Yeah, very quiet. But I know some of the others that did resign were calling for, you know, basically a, a full audit of the NRA's finances. And I know that Dwayne would like to see that as well. Um, and, and that's not really happening. So it, there's, there's that piece, you know, there's a bunch of other things going on there and I don't want to make this an episode about the NRA. Uh, but just, I thought it was noteworthy that someone also as high profile as Julie Golub is, has chosen to also resign from the board of directors. Yeah, I I don't know that I have much more to add other than like you said I was gonna I was gonna mention what you did that she she did not give as many specific reasons as some of the others that have recently resigned, uh, but I I think a person's got to say you know am I am I causing the change I want to see more by staying and fighting for it or by leaving and and you know the press and publicity and other things that might come from my leaving might affect more change. Right. And that's, that's the decisions these people are making based on their own personal objectives. And that's, that's the question you have to ask yourself. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I, I think, you know, if I was in that position, it would be, it would be hard to continue on in an organization where your position is already pretty minimized by the fact that there's, 75 others that are members of that same board. So you kind of like, well, how much of an influence do I really have here? Am I really able to do much good? I don't know. Um, but, you know, on top of that, you got all this negativity surrounding the NRA. And uh, so, you know, that's, that's got to be a little bit demoralizing as well. And you got to start almost questioning, like, do I really, do I still want to have my name attached to this organization that, is, is really going through some tough times right now. Some of it could also be, by the way, that the, there's some investigations going on, both in the state of New York and there's members of Congress also looking at some things. And, you know, subpoenas are, are starting to be issued to members of the board, right? And so, gosh, you know, <laughs> I don't know if I want to be a part of that sort of thing. So, uh, again, I don't, I'm not saying that these are the reasons why but for her, but uh, I, I, could, I, I, I could totally understand and I commented on her post yesterday. I said, Hey, I fully support you in this and, and, you know, good luck. Uh, so 
Yep. Uh, actually, Ghost Tactical uh, commenting on here on our Facebook says that uh, he's been talking to some of the board members recently, and he says the big thing is that there's no transparency and the people are being punished for asking questions. And we've definitely been seeing that. You know, a number of board of directors have had their committee assignments. And the committees, by the way, is where some of these board members actually can have a little more of an influence on some of the operational things of the NRA. And a number of even some longtime board members who have been raising questions about the current state of the NRA, practices that have been followed, et cetera, et cetera, you know, wanting to see some change and expressing that desire for, for change, including in the NRA's leadership. And a number of NRA members, a board of directors members, have uh, had their committee assignments stripped away from them. All right. And I don't know what the status of, of her committee assignments were, but anyway, interesting stuff to note there. So that's basically all the news we have for today. Um, but so I, I, you know, this is a kind of a new thing for us. And so I guess now it's time for gear reviews. Yeah. 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 Let's talk some gear. <laughs> okay. So we already talked about some gear, but you know, the, with the new guns that we're, but, we talked about, but yeah. But this, this is like, this is, this is actually some gear that we have maybe our hands on and, uh, and we're going to talk a little bit more in depth about. So I will go first. And this is granted still very new, but I already pretty much know where I stand on this. I haven't actually had these out to the range yet to test, but I'm confident already that they're going to perform very well. So I've been aware of this product for some time, kind of followed them a little bit, you know, and, and I, I thought hey, it's a pretty interesting idea. Not sure how much, uh, value is there, you know, like, is this something that's so cool that I just got to go drop some coin on it? Well, recently due to something I saw on social media, I thought I might give these a try. What is it I'm talking about? I am talking about Noise Fighters is the name of the product and the company. And these are gel ear pads with relief cuts for glass to pass through. It says there on the on the front of the uh, package. So noisefighters.com is the site where these can be found. And they are a gel ear cup, okay? It, gel, you know, gel in the inside, obviously. <laughs> and they are super soft, super supple. They contour to whatever is, you know, they come in contact with. But they also seem like they're very durable, and the idea here is noise fighters got this idea to, hey, what about creating an aftermarket for hearing protection ear cups, ear cup pieces, right? So I have here this set of Walker's Razor Digital Ear Pro, which I actually quite like. And the standard cups that came on these Walker's is not bad, but definitely not as comfortable as some others out there. Now, kind of the gold standard in the industry are those MSR ear pro um, headsets, which are really nice and super comfortable. I've tried them on before and they are awesome. <laughs> and, and, and you see a lot of, a lot, you know, a lot of folks in the industry like them. A lot of big name instructors like those MSR uh, ear, ear pros as well, but they're like 200, $300. They are not cheap. Now, you, you you generally get what you pay for, right? So you buy a $200 plus set of 
hearing protection, they're going to probably be pretty good. Right. But for the average shooter, I, I, that's not really a product I think that is on their radar. So what you can do though, is you can get EarPro, like say a set of walkers. And this is the digital one. They have a standard weight razor model that is not a bad set. And you know, the, the, the difference being, they just have a switch that, you know, you a, a dial, you switch on and switch off. Uh, they are electronic. I think electronic is the way to go, especially in this day and age. You can hear everything so much better when you're at the range. You can hear range commands. You can hear things from an instructor, but at the same time, your ears are protected from the gunfire, right? I don't remember exactly what the NRR rating is on these. And Noise Fighters doesn't claim necessarily that, you know, they don't give a specific, that's for sure, about, well, these are going to in- increase your NRR rating of your hearing protection by so many points. Um, but they, I, I, did, I do get the impression they're kind of like, the, they, for some hearing protection, they will perform a little bit better. Uh, I think that's probably true. Because I tried on these walkers last night with the old cups on them, not with the electronic hearing protection turned on, just, just put them on just like standard muffs. And I was in the living room talking with my wife and I'm like, okay, all right. So this is what they feel like. And this is what it sounds like having a conversation with her. And then 10 minutes later, I'd swap these out. It wasn't hard at all. Uh, They have instructions on their website about how to do it. So I popped off the old cups and the uh, noise fighters actually come with an adapter plate that snaps in place. And before you snap it in, you, you mount, it's got a special adhesive on the actual, uh, you know, the actual cup piece, the silicone gel, whatever piece that gets adhered to the adapter plate. Then you snap the plate into the hearing protection muffs and bam, I threw them back on and I'm like instantly, wow, these are really comfortable. And then I started carrying on my conversation with my wife and I could tell that, I mean, it's not like a hundred percent better, but I could, I could definitely tell that things seemed like they were sealed a little bit better. And that's the key, right? And one thing that sometimes happens, we, we put on our hearing protect or our eye protection, and then we put on our hearing protection and the, the, uh, your eye pro kind of creates almost like a little gap for sound to enter into. So you lose a little bit of the, of your, uh, hearing protection, right? And, and I tested this, by the way, with my glasses on because uh, that, that's important because that's usually how I'm wearing ear pros because I got iPro on as well. So uh, these, if you don't use the little cutouts, in other words, so these, they have a little relief cut on the top of these ear pieces from the noise fighters that are designed for your iPro for those, what do you call it? The stem, whatever, your glasses. Frames. Yeah, the frames to to go and kind of rest on. So that's pretty cool in of by itself. But uh, even if you have the stem of the frame underneath the actual cup piece, these seal so much better. It's it's a pretty, it's a noticeable difference to me, I guess is what I'm saying. Not like, again, super substantial, but it's noticeable. So that was really cool. So you get better performance and like 10 times the comfort. From a relatively inexpensive, you know, set of, of hearing, hearing protection. And the sales pitch is comfort, right? I mean, that's the main thing. And yeah, they might perform a little better too. That's kind of the, the rough idea. Uh, that's how I, how I interpreted it. Yeah. So uh, I'm super impressed. Now, price on these, I think was 
$40 there. The, the website did say they're on sale right now. I didn't, I don't know whether they're kind of like on sale all the time because <laughs> it, it seemed that the MSRP was $50 and uh, they were $10 off. And then depending on which hearing protection you're actually trying to put them on, sometimes you have to use an adapter plate and they sell the adapter plate separately for $4. So not, you know, unreasonable at all. So for $44, and I think standard shipping was free and, and standard was like first class mail or whatever. Uh, Cause they, they don't, they don't weigh that much. And uh, here's the other thing. I placed my order at like 11 AM on Friday and I got a notice like two hours later shipped. I was like, wow. And then yesterday, so Monday order placed on Friday, they arrived yesterday coming from Wisconsin, coming to Denver. Yeah. It's not super far. Right. Uh, not going to Florida or anything, but I was really impressed with the quickness of the shipping. And that was just, they, they had options for upgraded shipping. Man, I'm glad I didn't waste my money on that because <laughs> they got here plenty, plenty fast. So I am really, really, really impressed. I know there's some people out there that are probably thinking, well, $40 for an upgrade to hearing protection when I really don't want to spend more than $40 on hearing protection to begin with. I'll tell you, if you're going to spend any amount of time at the range, I think these are totally worth it because the comfort factor is much improved. So they get a they get a, a very enthusiastic two thumbs up for me. Yep, cool. Sounds cool to me. You know, I'm all about that that, that stuff. Yeah, like absolutely. Do they make a pair where you can't hear the wife at all? Asking for a friend says Sean. <laughs> I don't know. You'll have to ask them. <laughs> All right, Jacob. So what do you got, buddy? I got a handful of things here and these are all relatively new to me. I haven't had a chance to play with them, but I did just get some trigger upgrades here from Apex. Uh, this one for uh, Shield and this one for a Glock 43. So I'm, I'm going to be working here soon on a review comparing, you know, a head-to-head -head matchup between those two guns, my, my original Shield and my Glock 43. And people talk so much about how much improvement you can get on the trigger on the Shield with one of these uh, upgrades. And so I thought, okay, well, when I do my review, I will upgrade that shield trigger. And I thought, well, but then it's no longer apples to apples, right? So I should, I should review these guns stock, and then I will upgrade both triggers and, you know, see how big of a difference it makes on, on each. So pretty excited to test that out. I, Apex is, is a you know, good industry standard, reputable company that makes aftermarket uh, triggers, among other things. So well, uh, more, more info to come on that. But here's, here's the one I'm going to spend more time talking about. This is a brand new belt from Brave Response. And they're, I think, like in the middle of their product launch on this right now. And I'm into belts. I like belts. And particularly, if you know me, if you've been listening to the podcast for a long time, you know that something I'm always looking for in a belt is a money pouch. Traditionally, what a, what a belt with a money pouch would have is on the inside of that, on the inside of that belt, you would have like a, almost like a, like the, a, a cut down the middle of the material with a zipper. And so you could unzip it and you could stick, you know, probably some, some bills in there, you know, probably $20, you know, $20 bill, maybe a, a handcuff key, maybe a razor blade, some little things like that. Well, this is, this is an entirely different approach on that concept. What you have here is um, a kind of a traditional belt um, material, you know, nylon thingy. And then it is wrapped by this like stretchy elastic, shoot, I don't even, I don't know what this material is. It's like stretchy stuff. Um. They told me what it was called and I have forgotten. Yeah. It's stretchy stuff. 
and it's like surprisingly it's stretchy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you, like you'll be you'll be shocked. And it's wrapped like all the way around the belt, so it covers it. You know, three hundred sixty degrees around the belt, and then it has a zipper pouch around the top. And the 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 cool thing here, the, the change in concept is with my traditional money belt. What I would had what I would do is you'd take that belt off completely, you know, on its own, and you'd stick stuff in it. And if you had it on and you ever wanted to access the $20 bill or the whatever, you basically had to take the belt off, unzip it, pull thing out, right? And with this this belt, it's a different concept. The premise is you go ahead and put it on, and once it's on, then you can put stuff in it. And because it's got stretchy stuff, man, I wish I knew what it's called. You yeah. are getting made fun of so hard on Facebook right now. I don't know. Right so I don't, what <laughs> nylon thing. It's not, it's not. The stretchy stuff is not nylon. It's definitely not neoprene. I can tell you that. If it was neoprene, I'd be throwing it this. Is a, it is a new form of, of sort of like... Um, it's like a mechanical I'm seeing stretch. it used more and more in a variety of applications, including in some IFAC kits. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, it's being used to replace, in some ways, ballistic nylon. It's really strong, durable fabric that is super stretchy, kind of almost like spandex, but stronger than spandex by far. Uh, so I actually have a little IFAC. Uh, well, it's 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 a it's a pouch that came or that I it actually it didn't come with. It's an add-on to one of my five eleven backpacks that I've put all my IFAC you know equipment in, all my med kit stuff, and it's got a couple of those little pockets inside there. That same material, and I don't know how to describe it or exactly what it's called, but it's really they really call cool it stuff. A durable cargo sleeve made out of a brand new four way stretch canvas material. Stretch canvas. That that is, I think, what uh, Brave Response told so, me. Yeah, yeah. So this, so stretch canvas. But the but the premise is instead of like I stick a few things in here, I put the belt on, and then if I ever need to access those things, I basically have to take the belt off. This is an entirely different premise because the idea is you put the belt on, and then you stuff stuff in the belt like vertically from the top down. And it, it, I mean, you can put a lighter in here. You can put a magazine. You can put a knife. You can put a flashlight. You can put keys. A tourniquet. tourniquet. Um, you know, yeah. some chest seals. It, uh, it's that stretchy that you can fit a tourniquet in there if you wanted to. Yeah, it, it's it's pretty cool. Like, I think it it changes conceptually the idea of uh, an EDC belt for me. It, it goes from, hey, a belt is a cool place I can stash a little bit of cash and a handcuff key to, well, dang, what else do I want to put in this belt? You know, like I could put a lot of stuff in this belt and it's, it's no longer kind of this idea of it permanently. It's always in the belt. Certainly there, there might be some things that are always in the belt, but it's, it's more a part of like the, the EDC daily, you know, gear up mode, like put on holster, put on, you know, put on pants, put on holster, put on gun, you know, stuff in pockets, you know, keys, knife, wallet. And then like, okay, now start stuffing stuff in my belt, you know, because it, it just has a lot more uh, room and, and it's, it's just very clever. It also has a really cool uh, belt buckle frankly, that's like this awkward, weird magnet thing. I don't know how to explain this. It's, it's a, the, the comp, it's some patented thing. What's the company's name? It's on here somewhere. Uh, let's see. Fide, fiddle lock. F fiddle I, lock. Fo, file foil. <laughs> F I O lock. I don't know, <laughs> uh, but it's cool because it's, it, it, it goes together like a magnet. But then it's super strong. It will not come apart unless you grab this little tab and just pull on the release. It's it's really cool. Uh, it's like a fidget spinner for me. I can sit here and just play with the buckle all day long. So anyway, that's the they they call this belt the three six nine belt, and they told me why three six nine. I already forgot why. 
but I'm sure there's a good reason. It's called the 369 belt, but it's it's pretty cool. It's pretty clever. It makes me almost think like hands on the clock, like three, six, and nine. I don't know. No, that wasn't it. It was something more clever than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The V-lock. It's called the, let's see, the V-lock buckle system. Okay. Fidlock. I, okay, the company is Fidlock. F I D L O C K. Verified. Fidlock. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, gotcha. Yeah. Someone asked me, "What does it cost?" You know, they're in launch mode right now, so it's probably like cheaper than normal. Sixty nine is what it costs right now. I don't know if that's it's going to be its permanent price or if that's just an introduction price. So it's a seventy dollar belt, and you can go to brshooting.com dot uh, com to learn more about it. But um, it's uh, you know I haven't used it a lot yet, so. You know, maybe more feedback after I've put it on and shoved some crap in it, but uh, all around, pretty cool. Uh, yeah, so you know, I, I I had the opportunity to play around with it a little bit, and uh, it is, I think, a really cool concept for sure. Like, I haven't seen any other belt like it anywhere, so that's really cool. I love seeing innovation. There was a question that came up here, and I I have to also kind of echo this a little bit, and the question was. Is it, you know, how stiff is it? Especially like as far as, you know, gun belts go. It's, I would say it's, it's on the not so stiff end of the spectrum. Yeah. Like if I just grabbed out just that inner core nylon thing uh, and this, this was, you know, like if, if as a gun belt by itself, I would say most people would call this not very stiff. Maybe I don't think it's like super weak sauce either, but it's it's not on the stiffer end of the gun belt spectrum. Yeah. Yeah, that's that was my impression is that it's not really stiff at all. Uh well, I shouldn't say at all. It is stiffer than what I think than what I see some people use for belts. Sure, sure, but, sure. Uh, yeah. but it's probably a not in my world probably not stiff enough. But I am looking forward to playing around with it some more. And uh, you know, and, and seeing how it, how it performs. Yeah. Now, I, I carry primarily in the appendix position now, so stiffness of belt is less of an issue in the in the appendix position than carrying you know three o'clock or four o'clock. So that's less of an issue for me, and that you know because of that, because of where I carry. But well, I, t- I talked to these guys about the stiffness thing, and and a couple things. I mean, bear in mind that Bray Response they make holsters, but their holsters are all not dependent on a belt. Right, like yeah, they don't they don't make holsters that clip onto a belt. So they're you know in, in their world, if you're using one of their holsters, you don't care how stiff the belt is. Um, the other thing they did talk about though is that eventually they may have uh, different you know variations or you know you might be able to buy a version of this belt that has a stiffer core uh, if that's what you wanted. Right now it's it's brand new product. I mean it's been out for for days. You know not even a week. Yep, yep, yeah, brand new. It's a really cool belt. Uh, yeah. And that lock, the, the, the buckle or whatever, that thing is, you're right. It is, it's probably worse than a fidget spinner for me. When I had that thing here in the office the other day and I'm just like, click, 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 click. <laughs> I would cool. drive you crazy playing with that thing. <laughs> it's, it, it's cool. It's fascinating because you, you feel like it's only held together by magnets, but when it's actually clasped together, when it's actually locked to, you know, when the two sides are, are locked together, you try to like pull it manually apart without using the actual release tab you cannot do it It, it, it's like what you know it feels like black magic you know it's cool stuff man yeah 
Cool. Awesome. Well, thanks for the report on the new 369 belt and the Apex triggers too. I, you you kind of snuck one in on, on me there. I was expecting yeah. to hear about the belt, but yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I haven't, I haven't put these in the gun yet. So yeah, sure. but yeah, I have them here in hand. We'll play with them. Absolutely. No, Apex, Apex makes a good, a, ugh, Apex makes a great product. I cannot get the words out of the mouth. So there you have it. That is basically today's episode. How about that? Hope you enjoyed a little bit of a tweak to the format, a little bit of news, and also some more in-depth gear reviews. Uh, You can find links for the aforementioned products in the show notes of today's show. And today's show can be found for those of you listening to the to the audio feed very easily when you're done listening you can just remember to go to concealedcarry.com forward slash episode 341 so we're gonna let you go and wrap it up here Uh, a reminder again about the fighting from cover course now available for sale fightingfromcover.com and also we got the upcoming guardian nation live on august 22nd that'll be 7 p.m mountain time with gabby franco and if you're not a member of Guardian Nation, you'll, you'll need to be a member to, to join and, and view that GN Live. But you can become a member very easily. Just head on over to GuardianNation.com. Learn more about what it means to be a member of the nation and how to join. So with that, oh, wait, hold on. I'm forgetting something here. <laughs> we got to announce last week's raffle winner. So uh, those that are not familiar... We do a weekly giveaway. You can sign up for that giveaway each week by going to concealedcarry.com forward slash podcast prize. And this week's prize is the, our new, relatively new, like a couple weeks old now, Legal Boundaries by State book. It's a guide for American gun owners, a travel guide, that is. Uh, it's a really, really solid book. All right, 100 pages, exactly. So not very big has all the right information in the right format in just the right amount of depth, I think. And so if you are a road warrior at all, or you spend any time at all on the road, you're going to want a copy of the Legal Boundaries by State book. You can find that available on our online store. But this week, we have a lucky winner, someone that signed up for the podcast prize. And drumroll, please, Jacob. Give it to me. Here we go. <laughs> I had to join you at that time. Tom D. Tom, last name of D, as in Delta. Congrats, Tom. Tom is the winner of the Legal Boundaries by State book. Again, if you'd like to be considered as a potential lucky random winner in future giveaways, head on over to concealedcarry.com forward slash podcast prize to get signed up. All right. We really didn't have that many signups this this week. So odds of winning were pretty good. All right. We're going to let you go. A reminder to train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care, everyone. that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws. The Concealed Carry Podcast, Concealed Carry Inc., ConcealedCarry.com, and their affiliates strive to share insights and stories about firearm-related incidents and laws, but things could be different where you live, or laws may have changed by the time you listen to this. We cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared in this podcast.